Hello everybody and welcome to our season finale of The Witcher Chaos on the Pontar, an actual play podcast made by Elsewhere and Beyond run using The Witcher TRPG by Artasarine Games. Though this show comes to an end today, fear not, as we have plenty in store for you all in the new year. So keep an eye on this space, check out our socials and our website elsewhereandbeyond.com for future news. Without further ado, let us return now to Gorm, Oda and Arthwin and find out how they bring this chapter to a close. We left off last time with the party crossing the bridge on their way to the temple in order to make good on the deal the Captain Stannard made with them to allow them inside once the issue with the fog had been resolved. As you all make your way through the town, you pass by even more people leaving for greener pastures or making their way out of the settlement to find hope elsewhere. On the rise then, and towards the gatehouse, you notice that in place of Captain Stanhart and his guards, a woman now stands. She is dark of skin, old and wise-looking. Her face would appear weathered, the deep lines prominent and sharp. Her hair would be grey and shaved close to her scalp. Her robes are altruistic, heavy and long. She stands with her hands clasped before her, patiently in waiting. On noticing you, as you stride towards her, she walks towards you. I am told by Captain Stanhart that you seek the temple gardens. Recent word of your arrival tells me that we may share a common interest. Now, whether or not there is truth to my theory will soon bear fruit. For if you are who I believe you to be, then much awaits you. And yet, if you are not, then nothing but prayer awaits you in our hallowed halls. She shares no other words than that, remaining mysterious, as she turns with her keys in hand, brandishing them as she moves through the gatehouse, unlocking doors that have been closed to you all this time. Ah, uh, where, where, Captain Stanner? I am afraid Captain Stanhart has been taken to the dungeons. The dungeons? After all, he assaulted a member of the Temerian High Council, to no less than nine witnesses at that. Though many of us share his inclinations for change, he still performed an act of great sin against those he should call master. Even a guard captain is not above the law. No, 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 he, he was saving town. You, you bring back Captain Man. Tell me, madam, is the Council of Temeria above the laws of Temeria? Yes, actually. They stand where Foltest did and they will continue to do so until a successor is found. We will be thanking them for when they push back Nilfgaard. Well, you saw yourself what a great job Bale was doing of defending this place. <sighs> I will speak no further on this country or its politics. And with that, the old priestess leads you up toward the temple at the seat of the citadel. Wide open and well-trimmed gardens frame the path both left and right. The scent of lilies waft around you as the birds chirp and the insects buzz. Out from the garden, the party take in sight of an open and wide pond, dense with greenery and beautiful blooming lilies. At its end, three tall statues stand, 
the maiden, the mother and the crone. Two of the statues weep, the mother and the crone, and in their arms they cradle a babe and a book. In the arms of the maiden, she holds nothing, and neither does she weep. The priestess stops a few paces from the pond. Well then, let us waste no further time. Your errand stands before you. I am all that remain of our priesthood after Foltest's siege, and I have many tasks to attend to. I shall observe, if anything, for the safety of these hallowed grounds. Gorm is going to walk up, study the statues. He rubs his he rubs his chin and like looks back to Arthur and Nordas like, mm. "These are statues." Well spotted, Gorm. Mm. Now, on further inspection of these statues, the three of you would notice that the mother is in the middle of the two. The maiden on the left is turned towards her, as is the crone on the right. The crone is holding her book upwards towards the mother, and the mother, of course, is holding her baby, and the maiden holds nothing, but her hands are outstretched. Odo, what would catch your eye is the plaque in the marble statue of the mother at its base. Would you approach to read it? Oda, Oda, what, what, what did it say? Gorm not read so good. <laughs> Oda stands next to Gorm and puts a hand on his shoulder and then puts like a finger along the words as she reads them out as if showing him how she's reading them. Three statues stand at the lily pond, the maiden, mother and the crone. The crone presents her ancient book and the mother soothes her child. Both shed a tear for the maiden's sake. Her gifts grown in abundance. These shun you, and all three will weep in return for a bouquet of innocence. Ah, Gorm don't know what that means. Hmm. The priestess stands by one of the trestles, and she crosses her arms and places her hands into the cuffs of her robes to watch carefully. Uh, Priest lady, can can you just tell us riddle? Gorm, we don't have time for this. I don't think that's how it works. <laughs> Arthwin's gonna, like, he turns back towards the priestess and he just, like, looks at her for a second and then back at the statues. It's almost as if he can't believe that she's uh, she's making them solve a riddle. This is what it seems like is happening. So he just looks up at it and he sighs. <clears throat> Gorm is going to take out his, his mace and he just looks at the Gorm, statue. don't you dare. <laughs> Arthur's going to like walk forward and he's just going to put his palm uh, on top of the mace and just kind of push it down a bit. Come now. Come now, Gorm. Come now. No, Gorm, Gorm's all right now. When I look around the temple gardens, is there a sort of a lot of flower growth or anything here? It's just lots of lilies. Lots of lilies. Okay. While Oda's looking around, can Arthwin go and examine the maiden's hands? Yes. When you look at the hands of the marble statue, they look as if they could hold, you know, anything from the shaft of a broom, the handle of a sword. They're kind of in a more of a grasping clasp. Lilies are the flower of innocence, I do believe. Um, I, uh, I've often used them. Well, it uh, seems by the message that this uh, statue's missing a bouquet of flowers, then. 
And as he says that, he's going to sort of examine the statue's grip. Uh, is there does it does it look like there's any sort of mechanism, or is it more? It's hard to tell. I mean, your medallion isn't vibrating. It doesn't look like there's any joints on anything. It's a marble statue. Hmm. Gorm kicks the baby one. You hurt your foot. Ah! Oh, it's very, it's very hard, Arthur. <laughs> good, good work, Gorm. <laughs> Figuring that out. There you go. Oh, now we'll uh, we'll begin to uh, pluck or try to pluck one of the lilies in the that grows in the garden. Exchange a look with the priestess, maybe. Uh, th- don't, don't let the priestess see. What I told me is all bad. <laughs> well, As you go for the lilies, the priestess doesn't stop you. Okay, so I'm not like, uh, you know, doing anything heretical. <laughs> no, 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 no. You reach for a lily, plucking it from the flower bed odor, and remember it fondly? Oh, yeah. Well, it brings a smile to your face. Mm-hmm. Perhaps a fond and distant memory of more simple days. And you turn to Arthwin, but in doing so, you realize you stand alone atop a hill, looking down upon a valley of the Skelligan Isles. The wind is cold, but not unpleasant. The pines are swaying in the breeze, and the frost-capped mountains fill the skyline. I take a deep breath of air, you know, imagine the fresh air and the, 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 the sweet scent of the lilies. I... Sometimes long to be in this moment forever. A woman stands not far from you. A familiar face. A foraging basket in hand and a wooden staff in the other. Your wooden staff. Similar tattoos as your own paint her face over her brow, her cheeks and down her chin. A lily, innocent, pure and new. The flower of the maiden of you, Oda. One day, my dear, you'll hold this basket, feed your kin from it, and they'll call you the mother. And in the end, Oda, when they fear and turn on you, but need you the most, then they'll call you the crone. And when that day comes, the petals will fall, and the flowers will die. She turns to walk away, and as she leaves, she sings a few words of an old familiar lullaby. Hush now, child, don't you cry. Mother's going to bind you on the pyre. And Arthur, you see Oda standing up with a bouquet in her hands as she's walking towards the priestess. And she looks a bit in like a trance. Arthwin decides... Uh, not to interrupt her. And even as Gorm calls out to her, he's going to wrap his arm around him and just sort of hold uh, hold him close as well. When you come to, Oda, you find yourself standing before the priestess, the one that guided you to the garden. She has her hand on yours, and she's looking you deeply in the eyes. It seems I was right about you. Oda shakes her head and blinks her eyes. Um, what, what do you mean by that? She smiles softly and places a hand on your cheek. Something walks with you, dear. You are not alone. I see it. All the burdens that have come before you. And the struggles that lie ahead. No, there is something else here. 
and it is very much with you. How do you know? How do you not? I don't pray to the one you call mother. Yes, in this place. She looks at the priestess. Over my long years, I have seen people fight and die to prove which god or goddess is real and which is not. I have learned that neither can be proven, but it is how we act and in the wake of our worship that others listen. On an old and dusty bench not far from the two of you, she leans down and etches the symbol of the waxing, the full and the waning moon together. A mere two hundred years ago, that was a sign of witchcraft. Hmm. And now it is many that we use for the worship of Menetoli. So take from that what you wish, and I shall take my leave. Oda nods and turns to the pond. The priestess bows her head, offers you the serenity and space of the temple gardens, leaving you all to your own devices and returns to the temple and to her duties. With the lily bouquet in hand, Oda begins uh, wandering towards the statue. Mm-hmm. You approach it, standing before the maiden. Pondering over that tune she uh, she heard. And uh, and I will place the bouquet in the, in the hands of the statue. As you do. There is a gentle wind that blows down through the statues. Gorm, you feel all your fur move as if there's a wind whipping around you. (laughs) Wow. Gorm transforms into a prince. (laughs) No! He breaks into song. (laughs) Snapping at them, you see Barksley rushing down the side of the pond, trying to chase these petals being lifted up by the wind. He barks and gets excited when they move further over the pond, out of his reach and over the water. The breeze centers over the top of the pond in the middle, where the petals spiral as if in a vortex, and then just land in the water. And a few bubbles pop up onto the surface, and nothing else happens. Arthwin looks at the water and then at the others, and uh, steps forward. Well, that's as clear a hint as I've ever seen. And he starts doffing his armor. What are you doing, Arthwin? And uh, the uh, the witch is getting naked. No, he's 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 dripping down to his briefs, I believe. As I just embraced it, I can do this. I think uh, our friend is preparing for a swim, Gorm. Oh no, Gorm not swim so good. Then perhaps we should wait for what he finds. Fully expecting to have to swim here, Arthwin, uh, with determination, he's gonna dive towards the bubbles. And thank God you're a witcher because the others would not have seen it in the murky, dark, muddy waters. But you do. A single stone plinth has moved aside under there. And you see the glimmer, just a little glimmer, of a metal box. That'll be the goal here. So Arthwin's going to swim down and grab it by, I'm assuming it has handles? Uh, Handles on left hand side. It's quite heavy, but you can definitely haul it up. You can kick off the base of the pond and go up. He He does a little flip grabbing it and kicking off the bottom. Very athletic. Well, you see more bubbles surface. Arthwin, uh, as a complete drowned furry mess, um, comes up out to the waterline and pulls himself to the bank where his belongings are. And this time he brings with him 
brushed metal lockbox. Dark grey looking steel, irony sort of thing. Uh, well, you put on your belongings after drying yourself off the best you can. And there's a serene and peaceful moment here. As you know that you've helped people down below, and yet you've also managed to get what you wanted as well. Oh, Arthwin find pirate treasure. Yeah, <laughs> Arthwin is uh, actually just sitting by the bank of the pond there, just letting himself dry a bit and picking on the pieces of his armor. He's leaving his boots off, and he, he picks them up, and uh, he looks towards the others and points at the at the uh, lockbox. Let's, uh, let's get that back to the Acolyte. I'm going to go ask the priestess if she has a pair of socks I can borrow. <laughs> Not a bad idea. Gorm's just quickly going to dip his head into the water and like wash the worst of all that dried mud off from earlier. That is true. You could wash yourself. <laughs> Does anyone have any soap here? Of course Gorm has soap on him, but I don't know how appropriate it is to take a bath in the temple. It's not appropriate at all, but the priestess left you here, so <laughs> no. she's not going to argue. No, his soap is on the boat. Hmm. Arda plucks one of the one of the lily flowers at the stem, and when mm. uh, or, uh, when uh, Gorm arises from the water, <laughs> she just brushes some fur behind where his ear would be and tries to kind of pin it Aww. somewhere. <laughs> the there. lily is beautiful. It's a very healthy, fresh lily. Does Gorm look handsome now? Oh yes. Oh. <laughs> it's oh, so how how we rescue Captain Stannard, man? Oh Gorm. I, uh, I don't think we can. No, no, no. We, we can't leave Captain Stannard. See, Gorm, the thing is, what the priestess said about the crown, do you remember? What crown? <laughs> yeah, good point. <laughs> well, the, the, the family that, that runs these lands... Oh, ba- Bale family. No, the the, the Lavalette family. They, oh, um, God, no, not him. Well, even though it's Captain Stannard, they served the people and saved his son, possibly. That's not how the world works, I'm afraid. No, it'd not feel right to leave Captain Stannard. To, to free him would put a lot more eyes on us, Gorm. Eyes we cannot afford. We can push for him to receive a fair trial at the very least before we go. Mm. Why, why well, we, he did we, save a lot of people, Gorm. I'm sure they'll go easy uh, on him. We break, we break him free. Take him on boat. Gorm. Gorm, we've, we've got what we need. We need to get out of here. Oh, Gorm, I like leaving Fred. I know. I know, Gorm. I know. Remember the mission, Gorm. We're here for something important, and uh-huh. if we all get caught, then... Calculus time's mission. All would have been for nothing. Mm. Exactly. Mm. Mm. That is what we must do. Can we not do anything? Tell you what, Gorm. I, I can write a letter of sorts to at least explain the story that we can maybe leave for the lady... Or whoever will judge over um, Captain Stoner's fate. Perhaps that's the least we can do. Can you write it also from Gorm? Of course. Oh, uh, okay. We will sign it below with, well, perhaps not our own names, but... 
Gorm, Gorm not know how to write Gorm. <laughs> That's fine. Was uh, Arthwin able to procure a pair of socks? Oh, absolutely. And she gave you a pair of sandals. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> so with that then, you all leave the temple garden and its lily pond, making your way out through the gatehouse and back down to the castle streets. Which way would you like to go then? Do you speak to anybody, perhaps visit somebody, or do you find the blacksmith? Or perhaps you leave Lavalette quietly aboard the Acolyte and without any trace at all? I believe we would be heading up north through town towards the blacksmith. Well, the streets are fairly busy with people coming and going now using the Archway Bridge. The inn less so busy and you continue moving north. As we go, Oda will stop the party for a moment and uh, say, um, actually, there is something I need to do. I'll catch up with you, maybe. All right. Just give me a moment. Uh, Oda, Oda, stay safe. Of course. Uh, Oda will... Gorm not come with Oda? Feel free if you must. I imagine the stop happens roughly in the center of town. Yeah, absolutely. Would we be able to see down to where we left the body? You can definitely see, yes. Are there are there still people there? The body's not there anymore. <sighs> Fluffy had one job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, he's, as you know, not the best halfling for the job, <laughs> of any job. Okay, I think Gorm's just going to kind of pat Barksley and be like, oh, Barksley, you, you go with Oda and keep Oda safe. Oda would uh, have a dog companion with her now. <laughs> and I will move towards the alley where we found that uh, old man when we were going to the bridge. Yeah. Okay. The other two continue on up towards the blacksmith. Then you turn a corner. And what you find is a little recluse. A little area where the homeless had come together. You see the old carpenter that you had healed along with his daughter... And he sat up now and able to look after himself. And she sits there and she smiles when you appear. And across from her, no longer with a bottle in his hand, the man, the father, who was worried for his daughter. And there he's, uh, he's prying and cutting some bread slices for everyone that's there. I remember you. You, your father. Yes, I remember. You, you took those rings hmm. as gift for... For the words you said. Yes. And, uh, and we would come back to you. Do you remember? My daughter. Is my daughter with you? And he's more sober now than he was before. He, he looks around to see behind you. Oda casts her gaze to the ground and looks very solemn. No. No, say. You. Please. You told us your daughter was at the sanctuary house, wasn't she? Yes, I did. Oh, that takes a step forward and actually tries to put a hand on one of the man's hands. I'm so very sorry. The man just leans his head forward and just starts his shoulders begin to roll as he weeps silently to himself. And you see the, the woman who was once hysterical with need comes up to his side don't worry. I'll look after him. Thank you for letting him know. He's been talking about her for days. Of course. Um. I'm, um. I'm incredibly sorry for your loss. At least now I know. Your daughter is with the mother now, and I will 
pray for us all. The woman puts a hand on your shoulder. Gods be good to you. Gods be good to you. I nod. Pull my hood up to turn around. And you leave. And Barksley, who's been sat patiently at the end of the alleyway, follows you as you go. You will now be known in the Lavalette area as the kind woman. Oh. <laughs> For years to come and even generations, they will know, and this is your reputation, they don't know your name, but they just know the kind woman. And they speak of a woman with tattoos on her face who came bearing gifts of healing and hope. And with her father, she walked through the towns and she would aid. Now, these tales get a little bit pushed later on and start, some start to say you're a bit of a miracle giver. But they say that the kind woman was the maiden in disguise. <laughs> wow. Oh, man. We'll say about how this woman came here and she was the avatar of the maiden. She was an actual spirit sent for good. And I will tell you now, 100 years from now, there will be a statue of what people claimed you looked like oh, in the Temple God. Gardens. <laughs> it's amazing. It's very nice. Oda, with Barksley at your side, you catch up to the other two as they are making their way towards the blacksmith. Gorm and Arthwin, you are nearly there, and you see, as you approach, Jan and another fellow, who you could safely assume at this point is Uther, are sat on a low-rise wall. A few metres to their right, working away in his forge, you see Nabal. He fondly looks over to his son, and it's when he looks back that he catches your eyes, and he offers you a slow nod in respect. Behind the wall where the boys are sitting is a freshly dug grave. There are flowers there, lilies in fact, trinkets and other sorts of belongings hanging from the headstone and laid on the mound of earth. Hello, it's, it's Gorman Oswin. John runs over. There you are. I heard more about what you did through others and locals than I saw it myself. I'm sorry, as he gestures to Oda, who's approaching now from behind. I'm sorry, I did stay as long as I could. But then I heard Ufa and I went out. I had to. Of course. I understand, but I'm glad to see you're well. Bit tough. Hmm. I guess you found him, didn't you? At the bottom of the cliff. Did he fall? No. He had been attacked. We suspect by... by the creature that was haunting the Kingsfield. Witcher, how do you do this? He says as he looks up to you. There's like a, a glassiness to his eyes, a tear forming. How do you put yourself in front of the people that you want to protect and still lose the people you want to protect? Is this why you lot do it the way you do? No family. That's a question that has plagued me for many years too. How do I do it? And I'm afraid, son, that I don't have a very good or satisfying answer for you. Uther, who is considerably wider in the shoulder and taller than John, takes a few steps forward. He messes the back of John's hair up with a rough hand and puts his arm around his shoulders. We'll be all right. We will be, John. It's going to be okay. But boys, one thing I can say is that the people you lose... If you keep them in your hearts and in your thoughts, they're never truly lost. 
And as he says that, he brings out the rat medallion and he hands it to one of the lads and he puts it in, in his palm. Uther takes it from you. He gives the boy a smile and he says, if you lot are going to be proper witchers, you should get used to some of our traditions. And he points towards the, the grave. Find a nice place to hang that medallion. Uther chokes back a tear as he holds it. Oh well. Somewhere where you'll see it every day so you'll never forget. <sighs> John takes a deep breath. He shakes his head and bites his lower lip. Do you think it was stupid? School of the rat, that is. And making use of them witcher supplies. <sighs> he thinks to himself for just a split second and you can see as his uh, expression sort of melts into a bit of a smile. I don't think it was stupid at all. John comes forward and gives you one of those over-the-shoulder hugs. He's patting your back as he does it. And Uther nods at you, having not known you long at all. Gorm, Gorm feeling a little bad. He's just going to pull out the, the axe, the silver axe, which is not really his. And he's like, oh, this is not Gorm's. And he kind of hands it over towards them. John pauses... And as he lets go of the embrace with the witcher, I, I meant the witcher just stand, but like oh. <laughs> he'll he'll just give him a bit of a tap on the back, just a almost a little awkward. He lets go of you, Arthwin, and takes a step down and has to kneel a little bit to look at you, Gorm, and says, "You know what? I think you've got more monsters where you're going." Oh, Gorm used this to kill many monsters. Mm. Yeah, honorary mm. member of the school of the rat. Hey? Oh. I'll go go and be rat witcher. Arthwin Arthwin looks at Gorm and just just like rubs his face a little bit. (laughs) (sighs) Gonna have to deal with that now. Gently and politely just palms the the axe handle back towards you as in a gesture to say keep it. I go. And the two lads stand up and they walk towards the grave where they already set down the trinket onto the gravestone, the sigil of Miletoli they've placed there. And Oda, Arthwin and Gorm, you see Nabal Savik come out, dusting off his hands. You did it. You saved my son. I am beyond words. Thank you. Son, son save himself. I think it's time I put this settlement back together put my forge to good use. He looks to Gorm. Not only do I have my boys, but I now have four helpers, too. <laughs> I am told I have you to thank for that, Werebub. Oh, yeah. Oh, Gorm, 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 help. I will ensure to pay them for their work. And, as a gesture of thanks to you, I have something. Take no offense, but I notice that mace of yours is getting a bit worn, and, uh, Well, I had a few weapons left over from my time serving in the war. He brings out a lovely-looking battle axe. And with it, a large grey shield. And what's nice about this for you, Gorm, is that though it's a standard large shield for most, for you, you can lay it down like a povis or a tower shield and gain full cover from being behind it. These will serve far better use for you, little one. So many presents. Go, 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 
Uh, can I ask a little favor? Of course. What is on your mind? Um, help tell people how Captain Standard Man um, helped save Castle because he in jail now. Very scary. You know what, little one? Something tells me he's not going to be there for long. Ah, it'll be on the gallows by tomorrow. I'm not going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Captain Stannard was the best of all of us. Even in my grief, I chose to stop doing what the town needed. In his, he tried harder. He tried harder to do what Bale would not. Take care of the people. You know, and he says this, musing it, stroking a finger through his closely shaved beard. I think tomorrow morning one of the hinges on the bars may fail and the people would protect him, calling him a hero. Taking one man is one thing, taking a hundred is another. He winks slyly to Gorm. How unfortunate for the guards that fell asleep on their watch. Ah, oh, Gorm, Gorm, very thankful. Now as for you, Master Witcher. Gorm also Witcher now. Oh, oh really? <laughs> He laughs warmly, and with a fond smile he pats you on the head, Gorm. But for you, Master Witcher, I may have something for you. He heads back into his forge and, after a few moments, procures you some steel armour enhancements that I'm sure you may find very useful for your new griffin attire. Much obliged, sir. I'll make sure these come, come to good use. And he, he accepts them, and uh, uh, he sort of tucks them under his arm and uh, gives the blacksmith a, a pat on his shoulder. Uh, and then he walks towards the boys at the grave, and he sort of kneels down by the grave with them, and he, he starts talking to them and telling them about some witcher traditions and stuff. And for you, my dear lady, Oda was the name, yes? Hmm. Well, you look of similar build to my late wife. And she enjoyed riding, so I have some attire, leathers actually, that I think would help you greatly. You can even wear them beneath your robes. Oh. The blacksmith, Nabal Savik, ventures back into his forge and from inside a safe box beneath his workbench, he does indeed bring out a full set of leathers for you, Oda. Ah, oh. why are you Oda? <laughs> and I'll tell you now. These are 10 SP to every location. Ooh, nice. Very nice. I can definitely use that. Also, along with one armor enhancement slot available to all locations. I dare say you are going to see many scraps ahead, and I do hope it will help you. <laughs> it does, and it will. Thank you. And whilst we're looking at our inventories, do remember, Oda, that you actually have a silvered stiletto on you, so you might want to keep that close at hand for the future. Yeah, yes. After a short while then, Nabal would come down from the forge, perhaps along with you, Oda and Gorm, as you meet back up with Arthwin. Yes, speaking of stilettos, Arthwin has taken a couple of daggers that either from the boys that they had on them or from around the workshop, and he's standing over by one of the nearby trees and he's hunched over and he's holding both of the daggers and he's showing the boys some tricks on how to use their small stature to their advantage in a knife fight. And he's he's saying like, 
All right, so, so use your size to just get low and underneath them. Nobody parries low on their offhand side. Arthwin, I'm sorry to break it off, but I think we must depart. Arthwin stands to his full height and he nods over at Oda. And he flips the dagger in his right hand over and he grabs it by the blade. And he, he hands it towards Uther. I remember what I've taught you. I will. And he takes the dagger. Gorm also gave advice. You just bonk on head. Sometimes you bonk on head, yes. Mm. And uh, he flips the other dagger in, in the other hand and he hands it to John. Keep doing your best and keep remembering. Witcher. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anyone's ever told you this before, but thank you. Really, thank you. And Arthwin smiles at first, and he's about to sort of give a nod in response, but then he he freezes, and his expression turns neutral and then sours into a frown. He's deep in thought, and he looks at the ground. You know, in all my travels... In all my years, I I don't think I can remember anyone ever saying that to me, no. Thank you. And the lads give you a nod as they turn back and they start like practicing parrying with their arms and blocking and, and trying footwork out as you've shown them. And uh, just as he's about to turn, Arthwin gives like a, a mock strike towards one of their legs. Well, John who you were striking towards, jumps just in time, evading your kick. And is pleased to see them putting it into use. And he smiles at them, and then he turns towards his companions to leave. Is there anything else you guys would like to do before returning to the Acolyte? No, sorry. No, we got a bountiful loot. Everyone's happy with us. I think it's, it's time to go before we blow something up. Check what's in the box. What's in the box? <laughs> Yeah. Fluffy is a mad panic. He's flustered, he's worried, there's sweat running down his brow. The acolyte is still peacefully moored to the right of you as you approach. Nothing wrong there, at least. And then he finally fesses up. I'm so sorry! I looked away for five seconds and the body's gone! <laughs> I'm sorry! I think someone might have eaten him because everyone's starving! The panic in his voice just sending him higher and higher in tone. <laughs> it's all right. I'm so sorry, Mistress Odor. Don't I, be. You, I got all rumble in a stomach and I needed myself some crackers and I just went for a minute. Oh, what, any crackers left? There are. There's about five left, actually. Oh. <laughs> the, uh, the body is in the right hands. It's all right. Not eating it, are they? No. No, no, you don't eat bodies, Fluffy. The lad's been given a proper burial with his friends. That's right by him. Either way, Sans has got the rigging and ropes ready as best she can right now. That hand's still healing mighty fine. I think we ought to be getting out of here soon. Abrava's up. She's uh -huh. able to walk now with use of a cane I've given her. She says she'll be getting off soon and would like to have a chat with you three. Oh, okay. All right. Oh, Fl Fluffy, go, go and witch her now. Oh, uh, congratulations, Gorm. I'm really glad to hear that for you. Wait, hang on a moment. Gorm! 
Have you already gone and broken that saddle? I spent ages working on that, at least half an hour. I missed out on my second breakfast. Oh God, I can't believe it. Hang on a second, Barksley, get back here. And he chases after the dog, which bounds up the gangplank and makes his way onto the acolyte. <laughs> <laughs> Gorm, Gorm hides Aww. behind Arthwin, but you know. Arthwin uh, sort of, he stands by the gangplank and he gestures for everyone to get on board uh, ASAP. We get on board. Uh, Sansa, being on her own doing it, and with Throffy help, has managed to get the boat all but ready to leave. If uh, Arthwin is the last one to get on, he's just going to pull up the gangplank immediately. Aren't we waiting for one more? She says as she sees you pull the plank up. Arthwin uh, freezes and uh, looks to Oda. Uh, I'm afraid not, Sansa. Oh no, Vargin, please don't say... He's not dead. He's not dead. Um, What happened? The... My father was lost in the mist... We need to find him. We need to get him now. But I'll get he, my sword. He's alright. I've... I trust you not to... Maybe... Believe in the things I can do, but... He's alright. Oda. I've seen three dozen men try and board this boat, but find a reason to leave. I trust what you can do. He's alright. He's alright. She goes into captain mode. She shucks it off. All right, Oda, you're going to have to make up for his loss. We're going to need you on rigging as well, okay? Of course. I'll show you what to do. Um, let us speak to Abrava before we leave. Um. She's downstairs. She's up. Fluffy gave her a cane. Now I'm going to see what I can do to get ready. Thank you. And you guys head off down to the deck below. Mm-hmm. Sat in the galley is Abrava. She has sat there on a chair and she's using a cane. She looks a little stiff. The injury in her shoulder, fresh bandages now over the top of her robes. But she is back to wearing her robes again out of those uh, other linens. Abrafo. Good. I had hoped to see you before I left. She takes a deep breath. It seems there's a little bit more stress to kind of get herself going. I hope you don't mind. I augmented your healing with a little of my own. Of course. You did... An amazing job. You've saved my life. Thank you. I owe you a lot. I'm afraid I have very little to give. I'm glad you live. Thank you. I was on deck, getting some air, and I saw the force of the fog push itself away. You have saved thousands of lives today. And it saddens me that they have nothing to give for you in return of that, too. Merely gave the penitent what it wanted. I'm afraid I've been somewhat deceptive. Oda, Gorm, Arthwin. We wait for Vargan, she says as she looks over her shoulder. Oh, no, Vargan in fire. He's not coming. She pauses, struggling between offering sympathy and showing her confusion. I see. My apologies for such duplicitous action. I was not sure at first you were all who I thought you were. After all, I knew of Gorm, and knew of Sansa above deck, Floffy, and I knew of you, Arthwin, as I believed Colkstein had written for you, summoning you to his aid. But you, Oda, and your father Vargan, wherever he now may tread. I did not know about you two, and, considering I have heard nothing more from Colkstein since, 
we can surmise his fate is sealed. My role in this venture down the Pontar was always to act as your final liaison here in Lavalette. To uphold that duty, I must warn you, you are being tracked by witch hunters. I was afraid we were. It appears that Caleb Manga has given permission to one of his witch hunter captains to send forces for you. He believes you travel by carriage and horse. He does not know about this boat. I'm afraid your adventures in Novigrad have not gone unnoticed. Neither have they in Oxenfurt. And with little doubt, they will eventually hear of what happened to Astrid Blindeye here in Castle Lavalette. Which reminds me, there are now two witches following in your wake. Be ever so careful, for I do not know their intentions yet. But I do not believe they wish you well either. How have you fared here in Castle Lavalette? Did Ilya Kelisar's riddles aid you? Mm, we, we, find, uh, we find bucks in water. As he says that, Arthwin's going to find it. Then let us clear the table so that we may see. And you bring that box up onto the table, Arthwin, after Aprifa and Oda move away. Pots and cups and bowls. Meanwhile, Gorm is looking for those crackers. Well... Arthwin, I think, is going to just place it on the table there, yeah, as you say. He steps up behind it and he brings his arm over on top of it and he starts just yanking it open. Can you roll me a physique check? I can do that. 18! He pries open the metal seals, pulling the box open. And inside you see three interesting-looking items as the last of the water from the pond splashes out and drains across the table. You see a book... A leather headband and a brass or possibly gold-looking chalice. Abraverse takes a step forward. Oh my goodness. Oh, it's just all junk. <laughs> no, 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 Gorm. Mm? Can I have a cracker? <laughs> Gorm. Mm? Mm? Sorry, it's very dry. Oda, Arthwin, do you know what you're looking at? Not a clue. Arthwin just shakes his head. These are three of the relics belonging to the High Priesthood of Meletoli. This headband, it is known as the Mother's Mitre. The cup is the Maiden's Chalice. And this book here, this is known as the Tome of the Crone. As I'm sure you all know, the worship of Meletoli is one of the oldest and most widespread of them all. But what you might not know is that during its ancient years of origination, the priests of the faith use powerful spells to craft a number of holy artifacts. And you see, these relics were used to impress and inspire the faithless to follow. Throughout the centuries, most of these have been lost, and the few that remain, well, the scholars widely consider them mere shadows of their former design. But to just have these in our midst, this is a miracle in itself. This book... This book is likely a thousand years old at least. They say it is enchanted to be read in any language. If the scholars speak true of it, this book is the cornerstone of all faith and contains all of the lesser and better invocations of man and elf. Arthwin uh, looks at it. He's very careful with it. He, he has seen old books before and he knows to be extremely careful with them. But this is probably older than anything he's ever seen. He sort of cradles it in his hands, 
very, very gingerly turns the first page just to just to have a look. And on that first page, you already start to see the words forming so that you can read them with ease. And although you might not understand the theoretics of the faith and the belief behind casting these invocations, you can immediately see phrases and passages in this book which would already debunk and shake the foundations of many of the newer religions that have formed across the continent. He's going to go ahead and uh, close it again. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not touching this. We don't don't need to open this Pandora's box right now. Oh my god, see ya. Mm. You guys can go ahead and mark down that you now have in your possession a tome which can teach all of the novice and journeyman level priest invocations to anybody that can learn them. Next, Abrava comes to you, Oda, and she shows you this uh, maiden's chalice, this cup. She goes into explaining that it had purposes to prove faith to people. And for the sake of our listeners and for yourselves, I will read out the actual effect of this cup. The maiden's cup has a number of effects available to its user, as dictated by the liquid poured into it. Upon drinking from it, the imbiber must roll a d10. On rolling a one, the relic loses all of its magical potency and becomes nothing more than a golden cup. There are five substances that can be poured into this cup. Pouring water into it can be used to immediately cure poison. Ale immediately cures any disease. Wine can restore half of the imbiber's total luck. Spirit allows the imbiber to cry up to three units of fifth essence. And a virgin's blood allows the user to restore 20 health points and set all of their current wounds to treat it. My God. Of course, Abrava finds her own way to share this with you and she passes you this golden cup. I think we should store this away somewhere safe, Oda. Of course. And finally, she picks up this simple-looking headband, the band she called the Mother's Mitre. On the front of this woven band of leather depicts the image of three women, young, motherly, and old. Unlike the other two relics, which are grand in how they appear, this one is simple and altruistic. It would blend in, perhaps, be overlooked amongst others. Oda, this headband is a focus. It will greatly increase your magical potency. But it is more than that. Again, as Abrava uses the correct language of the setting to explain how it works... I will lay down the more mechanical benefits of it. It has plus two SP towards any head armor and can be worn beneath hats and hoods, but it cannot be worn with full armored helmets. It has a focus with the property of three and is immune to magical damage. It grants a plus one to your human perception, spellcasting and ritual crafting. And that's not all. It allows the wearer to reroll their first magical fumble of the session this new outcome must be used in place of the first. Abrafer smiles softly to you, Oda. This one will serve nobody in a dusty old magical room. Wear it, Oda. It will serve you well. And she places the headband upon your head herself. And with that, she takes a deep sigh and gazes towards the gangway and the exit. It's time for me to take my leave. Oh. Where will you be going? Oh, don't worry about me, my dear. I am resourceful. But now so must you all. With the loss of Vargan, your crew is thinning. Look to the allies you make along the way. 
There are those that would help you, and there are those that are in desperate need of your help. Perhaps you can fill your roster with those you know you can trust, and further your crew. Mm. Well, we could get rat with us. No, this journey is far too dangerous for those boys. Ah, but go rat with us. You'll have to be a good representative then. Can we get Captain Stanner? Abrava turns on her heel, letting you guys talk about potential crew ideas, and she gestures. She gestures the stairs. I'll see myself out. Be careful. Oh, oh, bye, cupboard lady. <laughs> Abrava, thank you, thank you for all that you've done for us and all you've done for the mission. I'm glad to have met you. Likewise, Gordo. Likewise, little Gorm. Mm. And you too, Arthwin. Arthwin's just going to give her a quick nod. Perhaps we'll see you again at the uh, at the end of the road. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Is is the road? I would hope so. After all, you're going to teach me all about your ancient magic. Concepts utterly elude me. <laughs> <laughs> she winks slyly, gives you a warm smile, and makes her way up deck and off the barge. You, I guess, I imagine, put away the items of power. Yeah, f- for sure. So with that, the party get to work with Sansa to prepare the Acolyte to depart from the Lavalette docks. Perhaps Gorm would peek into his and Arthwin's room during their sort of set-off procedure. Maybe he's fetching something in there for some reason. And if he'll look towards Arthwin's side of the room on, on his bed, there's a little block of wood and a knife where someone started whittling something. Oh. Oh, Arthwin. Arthwin learning to wait off. <laughs> he doesn't pay, like, huge attention to it. It's just, like, a little curiosity as he's in there, like, dashing stuff into his chest. Random <laughs> shit he's probably gathered while they were there. <laughs> as the Acolyte sets sail from the Lavalette Harbour, Fluffy begins work on the deck as Sansa takes the helm. The wind blows across the vessel as the ship heaves and groans against the gentle rocking of the water. A still sense of peace washes over the crew. Oda lays down in her cabin, drifting off to sleep with the memories of her father, of the journey so far and a lingering sense of fate ahead of her. Gorm marvels at his overflowing traveller's chest, both hands and body weight with all might pressing it down to a close. His journey now full of the family and friendships he always dreamt of. And in the galley, Arthwin ignites a single candle with the sign of Igni, lounging into his chair and massaging his old, wounded muscles. A smile sits upon his lips, for he too sails towards resolution, redemption, and, perhaps someday, a final conclusion. And with that, we bring the first season of The Witcher, Chaos on the Pontar, to a close. From all of us at Elsewhere and Beyond, we would like to take this moment to thank you, our listeners, for following along and joining us in this memorable adventure. We've thoroughly enjoyed ourselves and we hope you have too. And we will be back in the new year with a brand new show, so be sure to follow us on Twitter at Elsewhere Beyond and check out our website elsewhereandbeyond.com for all the latest news. We'll see you all in 2023, so look after yourselves and until next time. Bye-bye.